This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. The new season is almost upon us. Four more years for Liverpool's number four as Van Dijk extends his Anfield today. Are the Reds done in the transfer window as Jurgen Klopp asks the midfield situation? Plus, we'll dust down and bring back the team selector and match predictions ahead of the trip to Carrot Road. Rested and ready to go chomping at the bit after a full preseason, we have our Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorst and chief Liverpool writer Ian Doyle, along with Sean Bradbury having come through a late fitness test, all here to offer up their expert insight and opinion. Um, Gorsty, I'll throw over to you first. And before we get into the press conference, what sort of um, came out of that from Jurgen Klopp? Virgil van Dijk today, very early on, extending his Liverpool contract. Yeah, um, nothing that we didn't expect, wasn't it? Given the um, the extensive reports that we've had over the summer of Liverpool basically being keen to tie down their big names to long-term contracts. So van Dijk very much part of that thinking. Um, and yeah, great news, isn't it? You know, he's on board now till... 2025, he's still the world's best defender for me. He's obviously had nine months out and he might feel as though he has to kind of prove himself on that score again. But uh, yeah, he's he's the best in the Premier League for me. He's the best in the world. So yeah, great news for Liverpool. Um, just coming back at a really, really good time for Liverpool. Actually, him and Joe Gomez alongside Matip and obviously Canate getting settled. Liverpool now, I made the point after the... Um, also soon a game, I think, that Liverpool have got the best quartet of centre-backs in the Premier League collectively. Um, I don't think too many rival them, if I'm honest. Maybe City, but everyone else, nowhere near the strength and depth that Liverpool have got. Van Dijk's obviously the main man, so um, looking forward to him this season with a new contract under his belt. Um, very much deserved for three and a half years of you know exemplary service and incredible performances at the back. So, uh, yeah, good news. Um, as, as Klopp said today, you know, if, if you were looking to buy Virgil van Dijk now, what would he cost you? And Liverpool haven't had to worry about that. They just need to time down for longer and keep him with the club and um, enjoy his, uh, you know, what is it? What is he now? 29, 30. So, um, the, uh, the best years of his career, obviously, going to be with Liverpool and I think it's going to be a massive season for him. Yeah, we saw Doyle with the Genie van Alden sort of situation, I suppose, that these deals aren't handed out kind of sentimentally to what these players have already done. So there must be a, a huge degree of confidence within the corridors of power at Anfield that at the age of 30, giving him a four-year contract that will take him through to 34, that that injury very much is going to now be behind him. And I suppose Van Dijk's going to slot back into being the same Virgil Van Dijk as we saw pre-injury. Well, that's the thing. Uh, the fact that, <clears throat> that perhaps we should just take note of the fact they have given a long contract to somebody just been out for nine months with an injury. So it'll just give you a you know, suggestion that they believe as though the player's going to be fine long term. They wouldn't, you know, FSG like they wouldn't do that. Do you know, otherwise, whereas perhaps in the past, certainly with Liverpool, contracts may have been given to players who perhaps you know, question marks over the over their fitness rather than anything else. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it Alison Becker, Fabinho, Trent Alexander Arnold going a little bit further back, you know, not slightly younger, but Harvey Elliott and, and Queen Keller. I mean, all of those have got long term deals. So I think it's, you know, as Klopp said in his press conference, it's, it's not as exciting for fans to see players sign new contracts, especially, you know, players who've been there for quite a long time, such as, you know, Van Dijk has. But that's key for a team and a squad that wants to just keep on 
you know, progressing, evolving. You still need players. You can't just get rid of everybody every single at the end of every single season. You know, you need you need a, a core number which you then over time people like Wayne Alden's moved out and there'll be somebody else coming in in terms of whether that's somebody new. I'm sure we'll get onto that in a bit. Somebody new because there's still you know three weeks to go. What was Klopp was saying today about those players within the squad? So that does happen, and that's not quite as exciting as signing a new a new deal. You know, fans aren't quite as interested, but. That's, it's 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 key, and if you as, as Gorsty said, you know, if Liverpool you know wanted to sign someone like Van Dijk, it cost them an absolute fortune. If somebody else wanted to sign someone like Van Dijk, I mean, they got Canati, in which everyone seems to be at. They did spend more than thirty million pounds on a centre back. It was a situation, a position where Klopp knew that he, he said today didn't need that he didn't want to run the risk of taking any kind of risks again after what happened last season. So Liverpool got that sorted, you know, what was it, five weeks before the transfer window actually opened, and I think you know, sometimes fans forget that, but. For Van Dijk, yeah, along with Alisson, along with Fabinho, along with Trent, they're going to be there for four or five years. Yeah, it's a big statement as well, isn't it, Sean, with, I suppose, four years for a 30-year-old, albeit obviously defenders do tend to kind of go on a lot longer. And with that quartet of centre-backs that Gorsi was mentioning before, <coughs> maybe the other three now very firmly battling it out to be Virgil van Dijk's partner. Yeah, I think that's a fair enough assumption. He's he's the main man, isn't he? And you look back to last season, I was looking at the numbers before. I, I didn't even realise it was this few games, but he played five Premier League games. So, you know, we, we all tried to do this last term, didn't we? But if you want to put your finger on the single biggest factor in Liverpool's decline, I think Virgil van Dijk's absence for the vast majority of the season is, is probably the integral thing, isn't it? You know, he's just absolutely brilliant. In three full seasons, he's won the league, he's won the Champions League, and then everything's fell apart without him. So... If you needed to point to anything to say, give me a give me a long-term contract. I think those three events are pretty key, really, aren't they? But I think the, the guys have said everything, really. I, I totally agree with what's been said about confidence in him and, and in him coming back. I just think the whole way his recovery was handled and the decisions not to rush things, his decision not to try and push it and get to the Euros, it's all very sensible and it's for the long term. And, you know, you do think he'll his contract takes until he's 34, which is, you know, quite quite a stretch into the future, isn't it? But I think everything about him as a player suggests that what you say, Guy, that that kind of battle to replace him or stand alongside him in the team will will rage on for the years to come because I just think as, as an organiser, as a voice and as, as a presence, he'll, he'll be a top elite player well into his 30s, you'd think. You know, look look at this summer and um, Chiellini, you know, he's someone who I think is still winning titles into his 30s. He's just won the Euros and could be years older than Van Dijk will be only at the end of his contract. I think he's 36. You know, you can do it if you're the right profile of player. And I think he is. And, and the other thing as well, like, you know, Doyle there has just mentioned all the other guys that have signed contracts. I just think this is a massive statement of, of what Liverpool are now, you know, an absolute destination club. And part of that, of course, is bringing signings in that they've done with all of these guys. But the other side of the coin is, is keeping them all here. And, you know, when, when all these fellas first signed for Liverpool, Van Dijk, Alisson, you know, Salah, hopefully if he's one who does get his deal pen before the start of the season. I think if we all put our fan fan heads on and genuinely ask ourselves, do we think that they'd be staying this long, penning contracts that will mean that Liverpool is the, is the, the core club of their career and, you know, giving themselves the chance to become Liverpool legends and win more trophies than they already have done. I, I think we'd have to be honest and say that we, we didn't believe that would be true, but it's just week after week, there's a, there's a new deal, isn't there? And in, I think in the press conference today, Klopp had to just check himself in there remind himself which contracts has actually been done and then said, oh, I alluded to a couple more perhaps uh, being boxed off soon, which, you know, as I say, Salah hopefully is one of them. So, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic, not just for Liverpool, not just for Van Dijk, but for the entire club. 
all the fans and yeah, everyone. He's featured through preseason as well, Paul. We there was sort of that that week. I think it was leading into was it the Herta game where we didn't think he was going to play. Then of course he did mm. played against Bologna and against Bilbao as well. Do you think we're at a stage where w- when the injury initially happened, we were sort of saying six to eight months, April to June, maybe the time frame? A few whispers about the Euros. Do you think now he's going to be in that place, three and a half weeks of, of full training under his belt to go straight from the start of the season and psychologically for everyone else in the division, how big that will be? This new contract and in being there from day one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, initially, when he came back against Hertha Berlin, I remember saying to you at the time, guy, that I can't really see him featuring much until uh, after the international break. But um, he played played in the hour game against Bologna, didn't he? And then he played. I think he only played forty five minutes of that one, but then played seventy odd minutes against Athletic on Sunday. And, and Klopp said today in the press conference that he probably could have played a full ninety, but. Just decided to give him 70. And he's said this week, hasn't he, that both him and Gomez are available for selection tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he is in the starting lineup to, tomorrow. To be honest, Liverpool, you know, people behind the scenes have always kind of stressed how quick a healer he is. And it's why he's never really missed too many games out injured, like back to back Premier League seasons, then these 38 games apiece before the, uh, the injury in October last year. So, um, yeah, maybe it's just someone, you know, he's a bit of a superman, isn't he? He seems to heal up quicker than, than normal. And, okay, nine months is probably part of the course with that type of injury. But there was talking about going to the Euros and he actually moved, took a step back to say that he wasn't going to go to the Euros to focus on Liverpool. So the, the mere fact that there was talking about going to the Euros suggested that probably at, at some level of fitness by that point at the beginning of June, um, he was back on his feet and, and at the access centre in December after undergoing surgery in October, the, the end of October in London. So, um, yeah, maybe he is just someone who heals quicker than others, you know, just an elite athlete, isn't he? So um, I wouldn't be totally shocked if he, if he does start tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, on the contract front, Doyle, you were mentioning the others who have, have sort of put pen to paper during the off-season as well. Trent's through to, to 2025, Fabinho 26, and Alisson through to 2027. Certainly, though, on Van Dyke and Trent being through to 2025, unless I'm reading too much into it, do you think there's a bit of significance there in terms of Jurgen Klopp's contract goes to 2024? So all of these players are contracted even beyond that time frame for Liverpool maybe to plan beyond if there is to be a managerial change there? Um, I think you're probably reading a little bit too much into it, to be honest. I think, you know, it would be a bit weird if they only signed a three-year contract extension, if I'm being honest. When was the last time somebody of that standard signed one of that? Know, a 30-year-old thir- signing a three-year contract, well, wouldn't be... But he's been out, as we've said before, he's, he's been out for the last year, hasn't he? So it's slightly different yeah. for Van Dijk, I suppose. And also the reasons that Ghosty said before, he's a centre-back, they tend to last a little bit longer. You look at Hippier and Carrigan, players like that, they tend to, yeah. and they were playing at a very high level and well into the 30s. Anyway, what is, how old is he, 30? 34 is no, no age, absolutely no age, let me tell you. Um, yeah, but uh, the other interesting thing about Van Dijk, actually, is the fact that he's been named in the Holland squad today for the, the World Cup qualifiers at the start of next month, which does indicate they must be having, they're obviously having some kind of dialogue with Liverpool. It must be like, oh, yeah, he'll be, he, you know, he's sound now, he'll be perfectly sound then, which does indicate that he's going to be playing, if not against Norwich, then certainly in some games, they've only got two games, haven't they, Burnley and Chelsea at home before the international break. But, yeah, in terms of Van Dijk play, I'm surprised that there has been the kind of shift in the last week, hasn't there, from, yeah, he'd probably be on the bench against Norwich too, 
actually he might play because he played and didn't he yeah Jurgen Klopp played Van Dijk and while he was always saying there's no such thing as team A and team B I think everybody kind of looks at the team that was playing the first of the two double-headed friendlies as the one that's the strongest one and he was alongside Matip and we know for a fact that unless something very strange happens Matip will be starting the the season because he's the only senior player who's been there long enough and, and you know I know he was out as well but he was nowhere near out as long as Gomez or Van Dijk so he's kind of the main one and it looks like it's Van Dijk alongside him at Carrow Road which would be a you know massive boost for Liverpool but you know as I think as as, as the guys have said that perhaps that he was getting talked about for the Euro suggests maybe he is way down the line in terms of his actual overall fitness and the only thing he really needs is is the match sharpness and the only way you're going to get that is by playing games. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sean, Penny, for the thoughts of Jeannie Vijnaldum at all, seeing all of these players sign these contracts and obviously his demands in the summer maybe for a three-year deal, seeing his compatriot get a, a four-year deal maybe, that sort of looking at it thinking, why couldn't we sort of strike something together? Yeah, and, you know, you look at Klopp's press conference today and I think things changed a little bit when, when Adam's name got thrown into the mix and the question was asked about him and, you know, he said himself, didn't he? I, I can't hide my feelings about the player and I do wonder in perfect circumstances, perhaps non-corona circumstances, would a deal have been able to have been struck? Um, but as you say, it does feel like Wijnaldum has been a bit of a make-weight in, in terms of getting these deals over the line. I, I do think he's very much an odd one out though because I, I was thinking before, he's probably the only player who's left Liverpool not not like they say before his time, although obviously, you know, I think he's he will go on to have an excellent few years. I'd be stunned if his new club didn't win the Champions League um this season. But the, the last player to probably leave against the wishes of the club, if you can say that's what's happened with Wijnaldum, was probably Coutinho. You know, it it's rare, isn't it? And and look what happened then. Alisson and Van Dyke came in. And yeah, it it, it does feel a bit of a strange one because I think Wijnaldum looked for all the world like someone who could play on into his early 30s and you could still build the team around. But, you know, if Liverpool have decided that the ones they're going to commit to in that respect are Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, hopefully, you know, players will be there till their, their mid-30s. That's pretty good, isn't it? You know, and and like Klopp said in his press conference today, you know, talking about midfield in this in this same question that uh, elicited <laughs> a bit of a spiky response, you know, that there are a lot of midfielders there. You can't argue with that. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who still believes that that's an area of the team that could do with a signing before the end of the window. And certainly in the in the kind of mid to long term, needs a bit of fresh blood in there. But then, you know, Klopp said, Elliot, Gordon, others, I think he included Curtis Jones later on in that conversation. These are players who you've got to have space for in that squad. So, and, and he was very, very clear about the range of ability in his squad and how Wide Adam's absence can be made up for one way or another. So, yeah, I suppose that, to some degree, answers the Wijnaldum thing. I, I would say that's still the main test that's going to hang over Liverpool as this season wears on. There's 3,000 minutes there from last season that you've got to replace. But I think if you look at the other guys, you can make the argument that they're a little bit more central to the next few years of Liverpool, certainly Van Dijk, Allison, and Salah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Let's get into the press conference then. Paul, what did you make of it? Because it started on a very cheery note about Van Dijk's contract and Jurgen Klopp really bigging him up. Then after a couple of bites about sort of Man City and PSG and their spending power, by the end, it had taken sort of a very different tone. Very interesting response, wasn't it? Um, our mate James Pierce was asking, um, basically, are you signing a Wijnaldum replacement? And um, Klopp, 
I wouldn't say he was angry. I mean, he, he said as much himself. He, he said I'm not angry with with the question, but it was very much a um, a response to try to put the reporter in question on the back foot. Then mm. the response was, uh, "Well, who would you sign? You know, sign someone who's got more creativity than Abicator. Sign someone who can defend better than Fabinho. Um, this, that, and the other. Who is that player? I'd like to know because I'm not sure there is one." And, I suppose it ties in with, with a few things we've written ourselves that the only way Liverpool are going to be buying a central midfielder is if they're convinced that he's going to come in the team and, and play every week. Now Klopp has got his first choice midfield this season. I don't think there's any bones about it. It's Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho. Obviously there will be some chopping and changing across pretty much every other game, but uh, if it's a final and everyone's fit, then they're, they're, you're three in the midfield. So I think they're looking at it thinking, well, who's going to come in and, and break that up and play more games than those three, um, which is a tough one, isn't it? Particularly at a time when you haven't got lots of cash to throw around anyway. So um, I think that's how they're looking at it. I think some supporters are looking at it as just thinking they don't need to be a Thiago or a Henderson. They just need to be, you know, a, 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 a very capable, decent um, sort of, Play that you'd expect Liverpool to be bringing in as, as a squad player almost. Um, so I think the fans' expectations and what Liverpool would like to do um, are, are different on this particular um, topic. I agree with Sean. I've said for ages I do think they need a midfielder and a forward. Uh, if I could only have one, I'd probably rather have a new forward player coming in because I just think Divock Origi's time has come and gone. And I think if Liverpool are playing him for any kind of length of time next season, they're going to really struggle. Shaqiri could be on the way out. Couldn't he? He's going to have half a dozen teams after him. And Minamino's yet to, to, to prove that he can cut the mustard. So then a lot's fallen on four players for three positions across the entire season there. So um, if I was to only get one, it'd be a forward. But um, yeah, Klopp was very kind of forceful in, in his response, which was a bit of a surprise, but it was uh, entertaining. Where are we at with Shakiri in terms of interest in him there, Gorsley? You were you were talking about this half a dozen sides. Mm. Dolly, you were saying earlier in the week that Leon are, are one of those not meeting mm. the, the asking price though. Are we are we any closer to him actually moving on? Nope. No. No, that's fair enough. No, just, no it's no, no. wanted to ask the, the question, that was all. No, the uh, Leon obviously aren't offering anywhere near enough money. I think it's weird, is it? Because I think Liverpool I feel a little bit as though Perhaps Shakiri's been undervalued because he was mm. one of the better players at the European Championships. You know, he actually came through quite a lot of games, so he's he's obviously fit and he's got a pedigree, wins trophies. So don't try and nick him for six million euros when he's still got two years left on his contract. Yeah, Liverpool were after as much as twenty five in January of last year, and then obviously reluctantly accepted that that had to kind of be brought back into a bit more realism. But you were after twelve to fifteen which is what we were reporting about two weeks ago. So if you think 15, probably a little bit optimistic, so 12. So if Leon are offering around about 6 million euros, then you can see where that valuation is uh, not quite up to what Liverpool expect. I still think he'll move on, but it's a case of how low are Liverpool going to sell this player? I think they might accept around 10. They won't go lower than 10, I don't think. And I don't think they should, because he's good enough then to just stick around the squad. Yeah, no, interesting. We'll see how that one does develop. 
get back to our, our midfield incoming chat then. And uh, Doyle, in terms of kind of the characteristics Jurgen Klopp was reeling off, he said, as, as Gorsty said, about the creativity of Navigator, the defensive work of Fabinho, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and what he can bring to the mix. But when he said about goals from midfield, which was the question put to him by our former colleague, James Pierce, he said, Jeannie Wijnaldum, but Wijnaldum isn't there. That's the whole crux of the, the point here. And when he throws it back to the reporter, are you buying it? Surely it's... It's his job. It's Michael Edwards' job to be sat there through the summer, pouring through all the data and sort of scouting reports they can find and find a midfielder. You're telling me there isn't a midfielder out there that Liverpool couldn't bring in who could maybe replace those goals? No, I'm quite happy that James Pierce was put on the spot there. And every, <laughs> every single press conference had that happen. And I'm quite happy telling this to his face as well. So don't worry about that. Um the, the interesting thing for that is that, well, one, Alan didn't actually score that many goals. It was more, he then went into in depth and said, look, the way that we play, our fullbacks create loads of the goals and it's about the way players are in the box. And don't forget, some teams play with one forward. Liverpool played three. So there's three players who they expect to get the goals plus the fullbacks chipping in a bit. There's five players. You've got the keeper heading one in. So you don't, you know, the defenders you'd think would be Certainly the centre-backs, you're looking at another thing about Van Dijk is that he's got such a threat at set-pieces, hasn't he? So that could be something that Liverpool can can look to benefit from uh, next uh, this season coming, sorry. But midfielders, never really, they've never really got loads of goals for a Klopp's team. Certainly not Liverpool, but that's never really hampered them. I think the, I think with, with, with fans, certainly with, with things like this and transfers, is you always look at the worst-case scenario and people go, well, Fabinho and Henderson are... Uh, uh, a little bit injury prone last season, and Milner's, you know, he, he's like 35, 36. So, uh, what happens if they all get injured? Who can we have as a defensive midfielder now that Juan Eldon's gone? It's like, well, hang on. You know, if you remember, it was three years ago that I think it was Henderson was was he injured or banned? I can't remember for the second leg of the set of the quarter final of the Champions League against uh, Man City. And obviously, Fabinho wasn't there. And they played Juan Eldon there against Everton, wasn't it, in the, the game before, in between? As a basically as a test, and that's the first time when Alder had been there for Liverpool. So it's not you know, certain players have to be given certain opportunities. Although you'll be pretty much surprised if Cater or say Chamberlain popped up in defensive midfield. So I don't know. I mean, in terms of the actual, as I say, the goals from midfield, they've never really done that. But you would like to see a little bit more creativity. And if you've got someone like Curtis Jones who can set up and score goals, and he scored some important goals already in his career. If there's a reason why they've had Harvey Elliott in midfield, partly to get him more involved, but also because he is a creative player. It, it, that's his nature, isn't it? Cater, again, he's somebody that's like that. And, you know, he, it was only like three years ago that James Milner had the record for the amount of assists in the Champions League. So he's certainly got that in his locker if he's perhaps not got the legs that he used to have. So it is there, but it's a matter of unlocking that while not, threatening the fullbacks because I know this is something completely different. There was an interesting um, interview with Thiago, I think it was earlier this week, and he said something like, yeah, we we, we did well last season towards the end. He, says, but he said, but we didn't like the way that we played. He says, and we're looking forward now to getting back to the football that we like to play. So it was interesting. I thought that was quite interesting because he's kind of they were suggesting that they compromised on everything because of all the injuries and everything else for those last 10 games just to get it over the line. And now that they've got everybody back, they want to go back playing the way that they used to. And you've already seen that with them playing a high line with, you know, Van Dijk, obviously, but Canati can do it as well. And the fullbacks have started to push on a little bit more. That's possibly why Simakas has been a bit better in the summer, because he's playing more of an attacking game. Whereas 
in a few instances where he's come in last season, it was you know he wasn't in a proper full strength team as, as it's you know playing the way that they should be. So I do think there's a little bit of that to it. So in terms of midfielders, goals, yeah, you would like it, but I'm not massively bothered about it. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Sean, I hope you're not frozen there because you've sat motionless listening and taking... <laughs> it was For a good while there listening in. But what, what's your sort of view on the, the midfield composition? Because I suppose if Wijnaldum's going, you're hoping between Thiago, Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain, all of which have had their own injury issues, that they can stay fit for the lion's share of the season. But you do have Curtis Jones, maybe after taking on those minutes that Adam Lallana had left, ready to take on some more. And Harvey Elliott, who... Not going to sort of say he's a new player around, but he wasn't with the squad last season, was he? No, I mean, the, the, the worry for me, I mean, like Klopp said it, the first thing he said when he was asked about one album was that he was constantly available. And that it, I don't think that there's a talent deficit. And I certainly agree with Klopp on the basis that there's the, the, the broad range of abilities are absolutely there in that group of players. And there's quite a lot of players, but, you know, we'll come on to pick our teams for the game this weekend soon, but there's... Henderson and Thiago, who you would imagine won't be available because Klopp said they're kind of undergoing their pre-season now. Two key players, absolutely, but ones who I wouldn't... At this point right now, if I had to predict, I'd say there probably will be a point where they'll be injured during this season. You know, you've got Milner as well, who, brilliant servant, still an elite player. A uh, little spoiler, but I'm, I'm going to put him in my team for Norwich, absolutely. But again, last season, there was a few muscle injuries, little tweaks here and there. You know, he is getting on a bit. So I, I, for me, it just purely comes down to... To minutes, but I suppose the, 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 there's loads of points in the press, and you've touched on a few already. But I think Elliot is is a really interesting one, and th- there's a few things that Klopp said over the last week or two that have kind of made me sit up and take notice about that. Because w- with Elliot, I remember a couple of years ago, actually, Mendoyle did an agenda podcast when the lad was only 16. He'd had a couple of good games in the cups, and you know, we said, "Oh, okay, we'll do a little Harvey Elliott special." And before it, we tried to be sensible and say, "You know, let's be measured here. He's only a young lad." And I think in the next 15 minutes, we mentioned Rudy, Gerard, and Messi as, <laughs> as, as points of comparison. But like Klopp has now almost seemingly given the green light to be excited about Elliot. So I do think he could be an option. I mean, even today in the press conference, I think it was Jones who said, has Elliot now moved beyond the point where you'd look to load him? You know, is he a first-team player? And Klopp said, that's the plan. He's, he's, I think he said exceptional. He's shown up exceptionally in pre-season. Um, and, and he, he, made, you know, he gave Gordon a little mention as well and was talking about having to have the space in the squad to for these players to be around, to develop. So, yeah, it, like Doyle said before, on, on, on Elliot, it's going to be interesting. Does he does he stick in that midfield position? Um, is there maybe a, more of an opportunity for him to fill, fill Salah's boots in the Cups and maybe in January at points when, when Salah's off for the Africa Cup of Nations, perhaps? But, you know, we have, we have seen him as a, a number eight, haven't we? And... To be honest, I've I've really, really liked what I've seen of, of him, Salah and Trent combining down that right-hand side. You know, I think obviously first choice, as Gorsi said before, is Henderson in that position, absolutely, when he's fit and firing. But I wonder occasionally for maybe one of the lesser lights at home when you know they'll be sat back and they'll be in a, a low block and challenge you to come and get them, is the trickery of Elliot allied with Trent and Salah maybe a little bit of a better option than the kind of direct tempo setting passing of a Henderson, so you know, we'll see. But I, I think it's it's a difficult one. I, I would I would still say it's a risk not replacing one album. But but I'd say at this point now, you bring someone in and, and it's a bit too late. It's you know the season's about to start before they get up to speed. You're probably looking at January, and and right now I think you've got to trust the guys in the squad. That's what Klopp 
is is intent on doing. And and he's right to do that. He's right to take that attitude now. You know, I think that's why he got a little bit spiky. It's almost maybe a message to the players who were there that, you know, you are good enough, you are my options, and I'm backing you. Yeah, almost as though he's not writing them off, even if everyone from the outside is on that. Let's talk about some of the, the pundits' predictions for this season and throw a few of our own around. Gorsty, 20 BBC pundits were asked to sort of say who they think can win the league. Not one said Liverpool. Only three said the Reds can finish even second. Unanimously, they were sort of saying third and fourth. I think even Jermaine Beckford in there said that Liverpool wouldn't even be in the top four. And two of those three who said Liverpool would finish second our former Reds themselves in, in Danny Murphy and Mark Lawrence. And what do you make of it? Because we've picked up Liverpool through this pre-season and Jurgen Klopp certainly, off the back of his press conference, seems as though he's in confident mood that the Reds can challenge. Yeah, I, I suspect that they've all been drawn in by the recency bias that exists in football these days and the bias that exists over the amount of transfers that you do or the amount of money well, that you spend. It's five points, isn't it? Well, exactly. That's it, isn't it? Um, Liverpool. Well, for me, this is still the same Liverpool team and squad that won the league by 18 points in 13 months ago. Um, okay, it was not last season, the season before, but it wasn't, wasn't too long ago, was it? Okay, there's no Wijnaldum there and there's no Dan Lovren, but there is a Canate, there is a Jota, there is a Thiago. Everyone's back and back fit and ready to go again. Um Obviously, need a little bit of luck here and there, and I hope that they do bring in another forward to supplement the the four in particular who are going to be the main men for Liverpool. But look, I, I think Liverpool will be absolutely delighted that they've been written off or not being spoken about. Um, I was reading something else myself one day this week, and Liverpool didn't get a mention for for potential title challenges either. And maybe just because you know, like me and Doyle watch them every week, and, and we've seen them at the the good. We've seen them at the worst, we've seen it at the best. Um, and we know what they're capable of. But I I find it baffling that um this Liverpool team's being written off so easily, so not even you know, just almost out of sight, out of mind, because they haven't spent hundred million in the in this, the window and got the business done early, kind of under the radar. Probably a player not too many are familiar with in Canate, but um, Liverpool will be delighted with it. And for me, if, if um, finishing above Liverpool this season, you'll win the Premier League. There is no doubt, and is there, Doyle, that those other sides, Man City, Chelsea and Manchester United, have all moved on from where they were 13 months ago and Liverpool did win the league by 18 points. But that said, a number of those new signings, you take Lukaku, for example, coming into Chelsea. Yes, he's got a very good goal-scoring record, even at Premier League level, but surely that is all going to take some time to bed in, whereas Liverpool have that cohesion and understanding of how the system already works. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's one trophy Liverpool aren't going to win, it's the transfer window shield. They uh, <laughs> they regularly also lose the team the team use shield as well, don't they? Uh, certainly on, on social media from, from, from the reactions that we uh, always get when we put out the team. I'm sure we'll have exactly the same on Saturday evening at around about half past four. Um, anyway... Just going on to the, the predictions, yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say recency bias as well, so a bit of telepathy there with Ghosty. Um, we're both we're both going to use very very uh, intricate phrases for our job. We would never normally write something like that. Um, <laughs> we'll stick with somebody's blasted and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of the, yeah, it is. I think. Hang on, aren't Liverpool the form team in the Premier League? 
did they not finish the last season with 10 games unbeaten? Yeah, exactly. And have they not got back one of the best players, Van Dijk? Have they not got some of their other players coming back, proper fitness and playing in the real positions, like Fabinho and Henderson? Did they not have, like, Thiago and Jota having had a season and got used to it? Have they not got... And the other thing, the fans are back at Anfield. So, whoa, what was it? They lost about 39 games in a row at Anfield last season. I don't think that's going to be happening this season. So, and you look at, you look at the other ones, and you look at, you know, United... They're about 13 years unbeaten away from home. And I'm pretty sure once even Solskjaer himself has said, when the fans come back in, I don't think that's going to last very long. So they're going to get slightly worse in that respect, although you'd imagine their home record's going to get a bit better. But and I've written something that's coming out tomorrow because we've been asked to do our predictions, which I don't want to ruin it for everybody, but we've been asked for our top four. And I've made the point that with the money that City and Chelsea and United have spent, the two big trophies are the Premier League and the Champions League. And as far as I'm concerned, if they don't win at least one of those, then the managers could well be sacked, which means that one of them's going to go at the end of the year, as far as I'm concerned. They have to. But, yeah, no. you know, we look at, look at the money. City going to spend, what, £250 million on, um, if they sign Kane, that is, which they probably will, let's be honest. I can't see that not going through. They've got Grealish. I mean, that'll make City slightly better. But, you know, um, Grealish, is Grealish better than the players that they've got there already? Not sure. A Man City already the top scorers in the Premier League every single season. Yeah. So, you know, Kane, is he going to make a massive amount of difference? He'll make them better, but they'll, you know, they'll, if the, the problems they're going to have are going to be defensively, I think, rather than anything else. And, um, you know, with United, we've just mentioned them and Chelsea, they've got a player that everybody, the other thing about Lukaku is everybody knows how to play against him in the Premier League because he was there for so long. So he's, he's not going to have that kind of element of surprise as maybe some other. Some other players may have done it, certainly for the you know the first time you come up against them. So, you know, it's interesting. I don't think Chelsea are, to be honest, I don't think Chelsea are actually that good, if I'm being perfectly honest, in terms of over the course of a season. I think they slightly jammed it in the Champions League. Uh, Man City, I don't, you know, don't know what Pep was doing in that particular final. He just, what was it? Upside down swans or something like that, was it? He was talking about this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, if, if, if Pep keeps his head on, I suppose they will be the team to beat. But as Gorsi said, if you finish above Liverpool next season, I think you're going to be winning the league. Yeah, I love how this started with BBC pundits winding everyone up and Ian Doyle just hold my beer, sit back. Well, at least yeah. I've not said something. At least I've not said, do, do you actually think what I've said is ridiculous? Really? No, not in, no, 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 not entirely. There is part logic there to it, but I, I think maybe the, the point on Chelsea might sort of be... Um, We'll see on that one. We yeah. will see on that one. Okay, we'll we will. see on that one. We will. We will. I don't think. I don't think they're they're that awful. But anyway, let, let's. I said they were awful. Stop putting yeah, okay. words in my mouth. Should okay. be a journalist. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think. I think you said they were a bit lucky with the the Champions League. They had a very strong second half of the campaign. But it's the thing, isn't it, Sean? With even even if you, of course, you were saying you go back thirteen months and everyone was tipping up Liverpool to win the league. Even by Christmas, after that win over Crystal Palace, everybody said no catching Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, totally. I. I I keep coming back to just assessing the kind of variables of, is it more likely that Liverpool make a return to that position from from a place we know that they were very, very recently? Or is it more likely that, let's say Chelsea, let's take them as the example, because they are, they are the talking point, uh, that they improve past Liverpool, United and City? And, like, I just don't see it. I know Liverpool won the Champions League and then went on to win the league, but Liverpool got, what, 97 points the season they won the Champions League? And, again, Chelsea had a disrupted season last season, new manager, what have you. But to go from 67 points that they finished on in fourth to, what, 
what do you think it's going to take to win the league this season? 90 plus again? I'd, I'd say that's a that's a fair estimate. Even though there's, you know, four very strong teams at the top, I think those those teams at the top will beat the bottom 10 virtually at all of them home and away and rack up a lot of points. Yeah, I just think th- there is a big danger. And, you know, you refer back to that BBC thing that a lot of pundits, observers, hopefully some other teams are sleeping on Liverpool a bit. And, yeah, I think what the guys mentioned of last season's final 10 games, eight wins, two draws, wasn't it? It was absolutely massive, not just for getting into the Champions League, which was clearly the the driving aim that pushed the players to those heights, but just to fly into this season. And I know lots of players went away to summer tournaments, but you get the, the feeling that the camp is just buzzing. I think Klopp himself seems to have got his mojo back a little bit, you know, after very understandable circumstances last season and just the entire way that the game was played, you know, it was soulless, wasn't it? It was behind closed doors. Every week he did a press conference, he was having to discuss a new injury. It was just, you know, it was one of those seasons for Liverpool. But now they've had a five-week camp, which I just don't think that's ever happened before, has it? You know, Klopp said that before they jetted out to Europe, that it's this is something that's kind of almost unprecedented in football, and it's exactly what a manager like him would want. And I, I just think if Liverpool have a flying start, they'll be the team to catch. I think the guys are right, you know, if you finish above Liverpool, you'll win the league. City are clearly favourites. They're odds on for very, very good reason. But, you know, they've got a few things to think about, haven't they? And, and so have United and, and so have Chelsea. Like, it's all very well signing players, but you've got to bet them in. And they've kind of, they're getting their bigger names towards the end of this window. So, like the lads have said, they're not going to be ready to play necessarily all this weekend or even perhaps for the next few weeks. Whereas Klopp's got a lot of thinking to do about his team selection, which I'm sure we're about to come on to. But, He's also got, apart from Robertson and maybe Jones, every single player looking sharp, looking fit and very, very hungry and motivated. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we can say for one thing that more than two teams aren't going to hit 90 points in the Premier League this season. So, yeah, there aren't enough points really to to be shared around. Right, before we get into team selection, quickly, one word from you. Your predictions are going to be coming out across the the Echo tomorrow. So if you want to find out in more depth what the guys are tipping up for the season, check that out. But one word, what position are Liverpool going to finish in in the Premier League this season? Gorsty? First. Doily? Second. And Sean? Yeah, second. Whoa, Sean's not tipping Liverpool to win a competition. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, okay, what 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 league are, are Arsenal going to be in next right. season? Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're they're preparing they're preparing their title challenge for next season. It's going to be the championship, not the Premier League. Anyway, the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's get into our, our first team selection then of the new season down at Carrow Road. Uh, half past five tomorrow down there at Carrow Road against Norwich City. Gorstein Doyley, you will both be there. Uh, Alison Becker to be in goal. Doyley, you can take us away with the back four. Um, Trent may well play right back. Um, Simakas, I would imagine, is going to play left back. Matip has to play centre back, which leaves you with one. It won't be Gomez because I think he's certainly a bit further behind or, you know, certainly behind Van Dyke in terms of his recovery. And I don't think Liverpool want to rush him too much because this was te- there's arguably a worse injury. Um, so between Van Dyke and Matip, I've been... Uh, sorry, sorry, between Van Dyke and Canati, I've been um, leaning towards Canati all the way through until the last week, but I think it's going to be Van Dyke, And I suspect you probably need to start with Van Dyke as well. So Van Dyke. Again, I might have done too much reading into it, Gorsley, but it seems as though early part of pre-season, it was Matip and Canate on that left-hand side. I think he was always playing on the right at Leipzig. In the last couple, he's been pushed back over onto that one, partnering Gomez. Are you going with, with Doyle, Matip and, and Van Dijk? 
Uh, I thought it was going to be Canate and Matip for for quite a while, um, and then reading what Klopp's been saying recently and and today, maybe there's a shout for for Van Dijk. I mean, they, I don't think they'd risk him. Didn't didn't have to. It makes a change. I'm not talking about just who's going to fit in there, and you know, if, has anyone ever played centre back? It makes a change. Being able to choose from four, doesn't it? Um, I'm yeah. Come on, I'm going to go with Van Dijk, Van Dijk, and Matter. Yeah, new season, but some, some things don't change. Who's going to play centre half for Liverpool? Sean, what's your pairing? Yeah, exactly the same. Matter and Van Dijk. I just think it, Van Dijk wins the argument based on the fact that, as someone said earlier, you've got to get the minutes in his legs before the tougher games start coming. You know, Chelsea's only two games away, isn't it? And if he's going to be match fit and sharp. He has to play. I think as well, if if Simicast plays, and the only other realistic option is what Milner at left back, but Simicast has, has merited his start. He's, he's been very good in recent weeks. I think you probably don't want, uh, well, I was going to say another new signing or a, a new signing, but someone who hasn't played for Liverpool next to him in the form of Canate. So I think Van Dijk, even if he's, you know, 80%, just for the factor of him barking out the instructions and guiding the back line and helping Simicast through the game, I, I think he's the man. Right, great stuff. Ghosty midfield. Um, Kater, Fabinho, Milner. What do you make of that, Sean? I'll come to you first. Uh, Fabinho, yeah, totally agree with. Uh, um, I would go with Milner on the left because I think that little axis of Van Dijk and Simicast might need him. Just you know, if Simicast is getting lost going further forward or just, you know, is getting used to playing in a proper Liverpool game. And if Van Dijk is a bit rusty, I like the idea of Milner filling in there. Yeah, Cater, the, the other the other side, I think I'd just go with Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think he's, he's shaded the, the impressive pre-season performances marginally. Um, but yeah, Cater, Elliot, there's, there's loads of shouts there, isn't there? But yeah, for me, it would be Fabinho, Milner, Ox. Yeah, Gladock's got a shout because, as you say, certainly that, that last preseason game, he was back in midfield and not in that number nine role and did really well. But, Doyley, what about you? Yeah, just just go back to the centre-backs. I love the fact that neither was, none of us mentioned the two centre-backs who finished the season last year and Reese Williams and Nat Phillips. Playing Reese Williams, are you tomorrow? No. <laughs> he's, 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 he's been not been playing through a precaution. Come on, Ghost, do you knew that? Yeah, a precaution. Yeah. No, Ruth Williams, that, not Matt Phillips. No, it's not Phillips. Not Phillips. No, no, no yeah. Anyway. Not, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. What day is it again? Anyway, uh, yeah, the midfield, I'll go with Ghosty's midfield. I think Fabinho has to play. I think Milner, while the minute Milner's team, his name appears on the team sheet, which I'm pretty sure that it will, everyone will go to meltdown and go, oh, it's 2021 and Milner's starting a game. Well, it doesn't mean he's starting every game, does he? He's starting this one game. That's because he's been playing most of the summer. And given the fact that Kate has been given so many opportunities and Klopp's been talking him up, if he doesn't play him against Norwich, I think that'll be a massive blow for him. So I'm going to go Kato. Despite not having played competitively, what, since April? Yeah. Mm. But, mm. yeah. Be interesting to see. Right. Um, Sean, you can, or Sean, did you did you start us off on the midfield? Uh, no one second. So go on. Right, you I... can, you can, yeah, you can, you can, you can take the forward through. Kick off the attack. Um, yeah. well, it's only one decision. I think obviously Salah and Mane play. I'd, I'd go with Firmino. I, I just think for this game, I, I get the, the feeling that this season, Firmino could become a, a bit of an away day specialist at times. Because, you know, I think there'll be situations at Anfield where it, it, 
teams are packed so deeply that maybe you want Jota in there, you want a bit more trickery and you want that clinical finishing. You know, if, I think if, if one chance was to fall to those two players, I'd, I'd want it to fall to Jota. But I still think for me, you know, in a game like this where there might be a bit of space, the midfield might need a bit of help. Um, he's, he's the man. And obviously, you know, we've just seen him back a couple of goals and look as lively and kind of as as happy to play football, I'd say, that, that he has done for a while. So, yeah, he gets the nod for me. Ian, what about yourself? Um, I'd go Salah, uh, Mane, and I'd go Jota because Firmino, if things aren't going quite so well, I put Jota down the middle. Uh, you can he can come on and maybe change things around a little bit. Can by the way, uh, after we've done the starting lineup, is it nine subs? It is nine subs, isn't it, for the Premier League this season? Come yeah. on, I'm, I'm throwing this all on you here. Yeah, it is nine <laughs> subs, isn't it? The interesting thing is there will be at least two or three senior players who won't be involved. And if they're not involved in this first game, that might have a big bearing on whether or not they want to stick around because there's no, there's no league, early League Cup games this year. There's you know, there's just two more uh, Premier League games. One of them's Chelsea. It's going to be quite a big game. So I just think it'll be interesting to see who's, who's um, on the bench and who isn't on the bench. Yeah, good point. Uh, Gorsley, then, what about the deciding vote up front if it is between Jota and Firmino or are you going to go and, uh, and do something different? No, no, uh, I'm going to go for me. No, actually, um, I do think that this is probably his biggest season at Liverpool in terms of having real competition. Now he's had competition before from the likes of Sturridge and Benteke and you know a few others down the down the line, but he's he's been Liverpool's number nine now for for a good while, hasn't he? But Joss has breathing out his neck now, and it's time for him to um, get back to the level that he was at. 2018, 2017, 18, maybe. Um, he, he took his goals well the other night. And if we're saying the Fabinho and Alisson are fine to start, then he should be in just as good a condition. So I'm, I'm going to put him in the middle with Salah and Mane on the right and left. And what do you think the score's going to be? 2 0. 2 0. Doily? I think it's going to be a very tough game. I think people are. Forgetting this is Norwich's first game that they've played in front of fans. So I think I think since Liverpool won though one nil um, at Carrow Road was it February last year or January? I think it was February actually yeah. last year. They played one game at home, which was against Leicester, and then they haven't played in front of a capacity crowd since. And there'll be a capacity crowd there. I think it'll be tough. And the answer to your question, I think it'll be two all. Yeah, it was their first game. Actually, back in the Premier League last time, the three-two win over Man City might be wrong. First home game. Was yeah, it was either they, the first. They played Newcastle. It was either the yeah, first it, or second. Yeah, it was either the first or second. Yeah, but yeah, two-two. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't the opening game of the season because obviously that was at Anfield. But uh, yeah, Sean, what about yourself? Yeah, I think the point about that that game um, back in that February because it, it was tough, wasn't it? It was like a late bit of Mane magic that, that got the win, but. I just think the I think three one Liverpool because I just think they they they've come back up and they'll still have the wind in their sails a little bit. They won't want to, you know, compromise just yet and start trying to grind things out and you know do what you may have to do to try and stay in the Premier League. I think they'll they'll back themselves at this stage like they did in that opening game against Liverpool that time where Liverpool kind of cut through them early on. So so yeah, three one. I don't think Liverpool will keep a clean sheet, but there's plenty of players who look like they could get on the score sheet at the moment. 
Yeah, interesting. We'll see how it does play out. We'll make sure to stick across everything over on the Liverpool Echo, the live match day blog. Gorsty and Doyley will be down there at Carrow Road watching on as the Reds hope to get their season underway with a winning start to the new Premier League campaign. Just one more sleep to go. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Gorst, Ian Doyle and Sean Bradbury, thanks for joining us here on Blood Red. That's all for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.